Hey everybody, I'm really excited about today's episode. I talked with Kimberly Borges, and we had a really great conversation about how she and her co-founder are building their apparel brand, Power Women. We talked about where her disciplined habits with money and courageous entrepreneurial spirit come from, and how she approaches each day with her business and her family. I so enjoyed learning from her in this conversation, and I think you will too. Without any further ado, here's my conversation with Kimberly Borges. All right. Welcome to the Building Thinkers podcast today. I'm so delighted to be joined by Kimberly Borges. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to dive into how to build an inclusive brand, how to build an apparel company, all sorts of things. We're going to get away from the just believe you can do it and into some of the how you do it. So Kimberly, thank you so much, first of all, for joining us and giving us your time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on, Tracy. I'm so excited because your friend Katie told me about this a while ago. And when she suggested that I come on, I was like, heck yeah, girl, this is networking in action. I love it. I love, I love when our name gets thrown in the, in the ringer. Like, I'm a yes girl. Oh, yeah, she was immediately like, yes, Kimberly, go, go. So in my researching for the podcast, I quickly found that you're an Aggie. So I'm excited yes. about that. I am a fellow Aggie, so gig'em, whoop, and all the no things. No way. Yeah. What year are you? I'm 08. You're so 08? I'm, 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 Wait, I, did we already discuss I, this? No, we haven't. No, we haven't. I'm a, I'm a 2013 or 2012. 2013 or 2012. Time is not real to me. So I think it was 2013, I want to say. Yes. Yeah, so Kim, one of the graduated. things that I've been thinking about recently is I am too old for the middle part, but I saw in many of your beautiful pictures, you rock the middle part. So I think that that's the distinction yeah. between our ages right now is I'm not ready to move it over. But I did try to up my earring game today because I was like, she's oh, in go. fashion and I wear the same shirt every time because it, it gives me just one thing less to decide. But I did do these earrings for you because I'm not cool. Well, you or brought fashionable. it. 10, 10, 10s across the board. I love the earrings. I may be in fashion, but I'm also just all about like comfort and I'm also like low key lazy. So I'll wear the same thing every day. Like every once in a while, I'll change it up. My uniform is typically a bodysuit, some faded jeans and a blazer. And that is my go-to. Like, I mean, 99% of the time is what I'm wearing. Like today I'm wearing biker shorts and it's only because I wasn't allowed in my fitness class. We can discuss this later, but I was late and they didn't let me in. And I'm so upset. I'm so upset. Oh no. But I'm like, I know I was livid. I was almost like, I almost did a Karen. And I was like, I want to write a brand review. But then I was like, you know what? This is my fault. I'm wearing my workout clothes right now with a blazer, which is the beauty of the blazers. You can wear them, you know, with whatever. Let's jump right in. Okay. So Kim, tell us a little bit about what you build. I want to hear your story. I'm, I'm curious okay. about your background of how you got there. Like what drew you to what you're doing now, but let's start with what is it that you build and tell us your story, however you want to get there. Okay. So if you can hear some background noise, I'm so sorry. I'm in my warehouse. So you, what you're hearing is, you know, the motion and bustle of small businesses so that's where the noise is coming from but so power woman is a brand that focuses on making beautiful blazers for women that are functional and stylish and by functional i mean that they have real pockets so for example the one that i'm wearing you have pockets on well right here pockets for your you know 
business cards, credit cards, your whole phone fits inside. You have your, your tampons, your lipsticks in this little pocket. And then you have two real pockets on the outside too that are actually large. And then the lining on most of them is actually um, artwork from female artists. So not only do you get to kind of celebrate and empower yourself, but you also get to celebrate other women in your community and, and you know, lift them up and uplift their voices. So the blazers are kind of like a two for one and it's been a lot of fun doing this we came in with absolutely no knowledge and the only expectation we had was to just do our best and it's been a ride it's been awesome well they are so beautiful so katie in one of our episodes told us all about she was also sporting one i think a light pink and she also showed us yeah. all the amazing functionality. And then the thing that, again, as I was kind of digging in and looking around on the site, it's so um, amazing, these collaborations with artists. So maybe right. we can talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. I'm wondering if you could share, too, what were you doing prior to starting your brand and, and what gave you that inspiration? What was the kind of aha moment that set you on this journey? My business partner and I, Miriam, we were actually selling cars. We sold Cadillacs. We started in Houston and then we moved to Dallas within the same company. So we were car saleswomen. And within that industry, being a car saleswoman is actually very rare. Every once in a while, we'd have like four women on the floor out of like 30 people. But no, even more than that if you count pre-owned. But most of the time what would happen, I, was, I would be the only one or one of two. So we were pretty much alone the whole time. And what was highlighted to us a lot was how different our wardrobe was and how mm. different the intention was behind the brands who made our wardrobes compared to the men's brands. You know, if a man were ever to go into a store and get pants and they didn't have pockets, they simply, they're simply not pants. You wouldn't get them. Like even their workout pants that have always had pockets. Like this is not a new idea. I like to think that I invented pockets, but sadly I didn't. And, <laughs> but you would think the way that people reacted to pockets and blazers, everybody was like, how? And I was like, what do you mean how? It's a pocket, you put it in, you know? But when I was approaching my manufacturer, I also was like, do you think you could do pockets? Like, is that even possible? Am I asking for too much? And they're like, yeah, whatever, here's a pocket. And I was like, oh it's totally doable and it looks amazing and it doesn't at all interfere with my boobs or my style or my silhouette it actually makes my life easier so it was a myth but anyways we were in car sales and that set the foundation for entrepreneurship other than the fact that both of our families are very entrepreneurial the women in our families are very entrepreneurial so for us it for us it wasn't like a scary con as scary a concept that is as it is for someone who's maybe never seen entrepreneurship or never been around entrepreneurship mm. i've seen entrepreneurship be successful i've seen it work in my family with the women in my family have all been entrepreneurs and i've seen it work with my cousin who's in spain also being an entrepreneur so for me it wasn't it wasn't as much a question of will it fail or will it succeed it was a question of like how do i do this in the best way possible so that i'm not burning the candle at both ends so mm. i like to be as Ooh, honest and transparent as possible that. about i've been to a lot of conferences and a lot of like networking events and sometimes when people get up on the panel to speak about their experience there's two there's two two things that usually happen one is someone asks them how they started their company and it's a very naive very sugar-coated answer like yeah well i just kept doing this and then one day i was like well why not make it a business and then 
poof, here I am. And it's like, no, ma'am. Poof, he, here you were not. You, poof, no. I want to hear about everything. And then the second one is, you know, I struggled. I worked hard. But they never talk about, like, what helped them get there or what privileges or advantages they had to get there. And that is equally as bad because there are people who don't have those same advantages advantages or privileges or do but don't know how to leverage them and if they don't they're th- they're comparing themselves to you and thinking that they should be you know at your step when they're in a completely different journey they don't have the same experiences and you know path that you've had so i'm very honest and transparent about that for that reason so number one when we were in car sales we were commission only so we didn't get a salary there was no base if you didn't sell cars you didn't get paid and that lit a fire under my butt like i wasn't going home without that paycheck babe like (laughs) no way no how and it whenever i got paid the majority like the large majority of my paycheck went into savings i didn't buy clothes i didn't go to starbucks i the only things i allowed myself and my husband were eating out like and, and we wouldn't eat out all the time either. It was more like we would celebrate and we would go to a nice restaurant and we would order appetizers, you know, and we would order like a meal. But, you know, I wouldn't measure myself in that moment. But so, you know, we were making good. I was making good money because my husband wasn't getting his master's. So I supported us both and all of that. And while I was doing that, I was able to save quite a bit because in car sales or where I was doing it, I was making six figures in car sales which is huge you know um on to add on top of that i didn't have any loans because my parents paid for college and that is a huge plus and i think people should talk about that more there's a lot of people out there that are like yeah i just saved you know so much money and it's like well did you have loans did you have a mortgage did you have kids did you have a car loan even in that one example right we could to your point compare and be like ah i should be saving more from a different perspective, mm-hmm. what is it that you mm-hmm. have that you have to pay out first? Or what is it, or have you made mm-hmm. different choices with where your funds go? Are you supporting a friend or are you donating or, or this or mm-hmm. that? You mentioned several women in your family who were also entrepreneurs. Do you mind sharing any of their story or anything that's inspired you? And the other reason why I'm asking this mm-hmm. question is you just described for a, what I don't know what the proper term of like, what generation, I don't know how different generation really we are because I didn't figure out that math, but for a young adult going out and many uh-huh. other people are spending their paycheck, the decision and the discipline that you just described to choose to not is is different, mm-hmm. right? It's doing something different than those around mm-hmm. you. And I'm curious where that discipline, that desire comes from. And if it's not from these family members or what you saw, it doesn't have to connect, but I'm wondering if it does or just what you've seen and what I'm always interested in what drives people to be who they are and make the choices that they've made. Okay. That's a, I love that question actually. So I'll start with the women in my family. The women in my family are bad. I'm sorry. I just cursed. I know we said not to, but there's no other way okay. to describe them. <laughs> they are strong and they are, they have been dealt the worst cards and they went ahead and won the whole the whole lottery babe like they were just like i'm still gonna do me so my grandma my aunt my mother my cousin um and my aunt my other aunt they have all either started their careers in a totally different country at a at a young age or have started a business to support their family my aunt was a single mom and she was able to send her daughter to germany to do law school while running a business that's her only source of income 
so that's insane it's so impressive my grandma also a single mom was able to help all of her kids and run a restaurant and you know help raise her grandkids because her daughters were all raising kids and also had their businesses my mother had several businesses and I got to stand with her in those boutiques and those stores and see her sell, see her, you know, do the balance at the end of the day and go through the receipts and go through inventory. I saw that and it's crazy how that got ingrained in me so much so that I am literally following in her footsteps. You know, I remember I wanted so badly to be like her and I would go door to door and I would sell little rocks and like you had to buy a rock. Like you weren't, sorry, honey, I don't care if you live my next door neighbor, you're buying multiple rocks every day. And so I would sell them for a few, you know, coins, pennies, pesos each. And then, you know, that's kind of where my entrepreneurship started. I didn't acknowledge it for a while though, because when we came to the U.S., the plan was for me to be a doctor. And so I went to medical school for a while and I actually really enjoyed it. And I do believe that you can be good at, if not great at things that you're not innately capable of that aren't just like instinctual to you but when I decided to listen to what I was naturally inclined to do and what my heart and brain just naturally gravitated towards the difference was like astounding like this to me is hard and I have a lot of learning that I have to do and that I do every day that is exhausting but it is so much more natural to me than anything I've ever done in my life. And so the, the, your, the second part of your question, how, like what, what my mindset was when I was saving that money and what, how I was, you know, not doing certain things to save that money. I've always been like, I'm not a very competitive person at all. Actually, I'm, I've always been like a person who just takes a look at what's in my life and what I would want to be do better or what I would want to have better. But I never really compare it to others. It's, I'm not very, not, it's not often that I catch myself comparing myself to others. One time in car sales I did and I was miserable for about a month until my friend pulled me aside and said, girl, keep your eyes in your own lane. What are you doing? And I was like, you're right. Like I've never driven, I've never lived like this. I've never looked at other people, people's lanes. Why am I doing that now? So I've always been like this, but my idea of a beautiful life is one that is free of anybody's expectations and anybody's like I am free to do as I please if I want to take my daughter out of school and go get ice cream I can do that or if I want to you know my husband and I with our daughter want to go to Canada for a week I want to be able to do that I just want to be able to do as I please and it's not just like a selfish willy-nilly thing I just want to be able to live my life on my terms and for that you need financial freedom freedom and for that typically you have to own your own business i haven't met a lot of people who are well now more so than before but typically if you want to have control of your time and you want to be the master of your own time you have to own your own business so that was the route that i took and so when i started sewell that i started it with that intention i knew that i could make a lot of money and so i buckled down because i knew okay i'm going to work at sewell for the car dealership for as long as i can and it's with the intention that eventually I'll come up with an idea that I'll want to make a business. In the meantime, I'm going to learn and save as much as possible. So when that time comes, I can just jump. And that's exactly what happened. We came up with the idea and uh, my husband and I found out we were pregnant. And 
it was more or less a high-risk pregnancy and the stress of car sales is intense you're working a ridiculous amount of hours six days a week customers are texting you at 11 p.m and you're you're, there's no work-life balance and my pregnancy you know i started bleeding at 12 weeks and i was like i i can do this to myself but i can't do this to this child and so i quit and focused entirely on power woman and i haven't looked back since then i want to add that i had savings because i've been saving Mm -hmm. every penny number two my husband has started to work so he had a paycheck he had a salary so i had not only his salary to rely on but i also had our sa- my savings to rely on um and i want to put that foundation down so nobody's out here thinking that i just quit on a wish and a dream like i had a foundation you know i was safe mm-hmm. oh that's so powerful there was a blog that you wrote where you said Sometimes our goals are so big that they're overwhelming to even think about. They seem so far out of reach that how becomes the main and the only question swirling through our brains. When this happens, we become overwhelmed with doubt. Luckily, we're used to doing hard things and this isn't the first time we felt doubt try to take over. To fight back, we repeat this mantra over and over, brick by brick. A house doesn't pop up overnight. You have to start with one brick and over time, with consistency and stubborn resilience, you will have a house. This is how we approach our dreams and our goals. Okay, I have to keep going because there's more goodness. We take a moment to imagine (laughs) the big picture and then we get to work on the colors and textures that make it up. When the idea of Power Woman first came up, we were scared. How the hell do you even make blazers? I think I can say that. How much should we invest? How much (laughs) should we make? Will anyone buy these? We took a big breath, reassured ourselves and and looked for our first brick. Our very first step that we took that seemed so big at first was to file for an LLC. Like magic, after we laid that brick down, our second step appeared. And ever since that first day, we've just been stacking bricks, watching glimpses of this house slowly but surely begin to appear. Okay, we just met online today, and I'm getting chills Mm -hmm. reading that and thinking about how true that has been for me in different, I've been an entrepreneur in different ways, but that resonates so deeply that it really did just give me chills reading it again because one of the gaps I see between, like more women have these ideas, right? 80% of people want to write a book Mm -hmm. and only one percent ever do that's a new york times statistic i don't know what the statistic is about entrepreneurship but i'd imagine it's similar that people have an idea want to start Mm -hmm. a company want the flexibility and freedom that you just described in this beautiful life but they're afraid Mm -hmm. to take that step and and maybe some of them are even past let's talk about the people that are past that i can do it like they believe they can but i think what you're hitting on here this Mm -hmm. brick by brick is so important because people still want the easy button want the what course can I take what book can I read what podcast can I listen to and those are all great things right but Mm -hmm. what can I do to get that overnight success even though we've heard that it's it doesn't work like that I'm wondering if you can speak to a little bit more of this brick by brick how does it hear like listening back to what you wrote let's talk about how you think about the brick by brick and then maybe we can shift into daily what that looks like for you as an entrepreneur because I think that's part of the how that also gets missed it's like this dream is so big what do you think about the brick Uh by brick anything you want to add to your own words (laughs) yeah I mean the fear of failure that term is something that needs to be unpacked it's a it's an onion it has layers the fear of failure isn't just oh I failed and I can't do this I think the fear of failure has also to do 
with people's fear of wasting time or their concept of what time is when it's wasted, you, when you define what wasted time looks like, you get to redefine what a failure looks like. If I have learned from a failure, it is no longer time that was wasted. It was useful time because I am going to use the things that I've learned for my next step. When you get over that fear of wasting time, of failure, you are more willing to invest your time and your money into things that maybe are scary and hard and don't make sense in the moment but and that maybe you even know you're going to fail but you understand that you're going to learn so much from it that you're going to go ahead and do it and you're going to go ahead and do it as if you weren't going to fail and sometimes you don't fail you surprise yourself because the thing is i feel like as humans we think we have all the answers and we have so little answers you just have to go out there and look for them because you don't have the answers look for them so when right. I say brick by brick, you know, there, there's this other podcast I listen to, How I Built This by Guy Raz. And at the end of the podcast, he one. always asks, right? And he, he always asks, was it luck? Do you think luck has influenced your life at all? And that's a in- really interesting question because absolutely there is luck, but you have to look for luck. You have to be, you have to be in luck's eye view, eyesight for luck to pick you. And to do that, you have to put yourself out there and you have to do things that maybe are uncomfortable, that don't seem very thought out, or maybe that are out of, you know, your wheelhouse of skills. But when you put yourself out there and you, and you are vulnerable and you are open to receiving new information, to receiving new experiences, luck picks you. You are in the crowd for luck to pick you. If you're at home and you're not putting yourself out there, you're not trying new things. You're not, you're not even, you're not even trying things that you're good at. But you're also just so afraid of making a mistake that you're paralyzed in that fear. Luck will never find you. It won't knock on your door. You have, you got to get out. You know. And so, when I say brick by brick, that first, that first brick, that second brick, that third brick, they could all be bricks that never make the house. But you're trying out which brick is going to be the best foundation. You're just trying it out. And so when we filed for the LLC, immediately afterwards, it led us to our next step. Because we started thinking, okay, we filed an LLC. We paid for an LLC. I'm not about to waste $500. I'm going to, what's my next step? Let's make these $500 work. My next step, okay, let's look for a manufacturer. Let's message a bunch of manufacturers and see if one of them is willing to work with us for the low minimum order. Like, the fear of looking stupid cannot overcome your fear of not trying what you're, you know, not trying to accomplish your dreams. I would much rather look stupid every day of my life than look back and, and, and like think, wow, I, I probably could have done that if I actually tried, you know, mm. I, I don't, I don't care about looking stupid. I dance around on TikToks and reels every other day. I'll do anything to sell a blazer. <laughs> like, whatever, man. If that means that in 20 years, I can be out here in Spain, you know, drink, doing, eating some tapas with my husband, I'm going to dance. I'm going to do whatever. <laughs> you know? So, brick by brick, brick by brick is just a way to kind of, you know, undercomplicate your big dreams. When you look at the big picture, that's important. Look at the big picture, manifest it, imagine yourself there. But then just break it all the way down. What what could be? What might be the first step that could lead me there? And then just focus on that one step. 
Once you get that next step done, look at the big picture again. What's my second step? You know, don't overwhelm yourself with like, I've got to figure out, I've got to get this business plan and I've got to know the ins and outs of my whole business before I even have a business. No, you don't. No, you don't. Just file the LLC, girl. <laughs> Just start there. Open up, get your domain name, get your Instagram name, you know? Where I'd love idea. to go is to another post you wrote about was regarding your da- daughter, Sophia, and you talked also about just the day-to-day how of the entrepreneur, and it's making me think about in some prior work. So I was the co-founder of an ed tech startup several years back. Ooh. It was a giant wow. learning experiment. What I'm remembering in particular was I found my notebook the other day, and it's so interesting because your, your point about the time and the failure, sometimes I look back and I'm like, uh, what could have been? But increasingly, because I really enjoy the work that I'm doing now, I realize how much of that was learning. I learned user experience. I learned, I I became more confident that you really can go do just about anything. And I think for many, the thing that's stopping is the fear of the unknown of what's in between what I'm doing, Mm -hmm. you know, right now and that, because they can't see past the LLC, Mm -hmm. the next step. And they're like, if I don't know the five-year plan, I'm not even going to start. I'm curious about the day-to-day how that you've seen, because I think it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Entrepreneurs' daily schedules and productivity, I'm always so fascinated by. And in in you, I also am starting to pick up on this. You've said it as you do what you want to do, which I love. And so it's not productivity for productivity's sake. It is for your spirit. You know. So anyway, I'm wondering Mm -hmm. if you can get at how do you look at a given day and imagine you're talking to wannabe entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs, give them some of the how of what you've discovered so that we, we get to that stuff that we both want. I very strongly believe that the habits that you create outside of your dreams and goals are very conducive to getting those dreams and goals. So for example, I hate getting up in the morning to work out. Like I hate the morning. I don't like waking up. If I had it my way, I would get up at 10:30 a.m. Okay by the grace of god like nobody would wake me up i would just be woken up by like butterflies and birds but that is not the case i have a three-year-old and an early rising husband who like insists on talking in the morning so i have to force myself to do these things but in doing so i am training my brain and i am training my body to recognize the benefit in doing those things and then get and i'm getting it used to doing things that maybe i'm blocking like i'm 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 objecting to just instinctually because it's not my nature. I'm letting my body learn how to do things that are harder for it, which is waking up early, right? So I train it because, I mean, working out, no big deal, right? Like, it's not like I'm saving lives. But if I train my body to get used to working out even when it doesn't want to, then I'm also training it to do things that maybe it's scared to do. Like my brain might be scared to go to a networking event in which it's all tech people and I don't have anything to say. Well, listen, I've been making myself do things that I don't want to do for a very long time. What's the difference with this? I'm just going to jump in, see where it goes. But you have to train it to do those things with smaller tasks, everyday tasks. Another thing that I that I started with when I first started Power Woman, I had nothing to do. I quit my job. I was pregnant, so there was no baby yet, and I was starting a company. I was like, what what do I do once I get up? It was kind of depressing, so I started making my bed every single morning just to give me some sort of structure and some sort of routine. I had never really made the bed every morning before that. 
it was more like a random thing that I used to do. And, and then it became an everyday thing. And then I would sit down and the life of an entrepreneur is often this. You have to look for your tasks. And once you start looking for them, trust me, they appear. <laughs> they appear fast and furious. Suddenly, you have not enough hours in a day. So sometimes my husband will be like, oh, what do you have planned for the day? I'm like, oh, you know what? It's looking like a really chill day. And then I sit down and I look through my emails or I look at what I could be doing or I look at my goals for the month and what I should be doing to get there. And I'm like, you know what? I lied. It is not a chill day. I got to get to work. I've got things to do. I've got DMs to slide into, things to do, you know. So the, uh, the day in the life of an entrepreneur is one of constantly searching and constantly learning. And I have to look for the things that I need to do to get to where I want to be, which is very different from when you're in a corporate world. Someone just tells you, hey, I need this done by 3 p.m. and I need you to do it this way. Your your brain kind of shuts down into never thinking about what it should be doing. It just thinks about, okay, I, I have to complete that task that someone just gave me. It doesn't really think outside of the task. Whereas if you're an entrepreneur, you have to think outside of that because once you're done with that task, no one is on the other side saying like also maybe you should be thinking of a marketing plan like a marketing strategy and you're like oh you know i should be so you have to leave your day you have to let your day be flexible but you also that doesn't mean wait for things to appear like it means get online and start looking for things that you can be doing to move your dream forward start with daily routines start with like daily little tasks I love that. It made me think about two things that I'd love to build on. One is The Power of Habit. It's a Charles Duhigg book. You made me think of something he talks about, I believe, was the domino effect. So if you if you do decide, I'm going to start running, and you put your shoes out every morning, like that is the keystone yeah. habit that starts to get other ones going. And typically, if people start to exercise, they'll change their eating habits and then they'll start to do other things yeah. that go together. And that's what you described with the, like, making the bed, starting with that one small thing and how it leads to others. So I've, I've had this conversation with many people and as an entrepreneur, like you don't leave your job to do things that you don't want to do. And like I said, I don't do things that I don't want to do, but there's a difference between doing things that you don't want to do and doing things that you have to do to get to do what you want to do. In car sales, for example, I didn't particularly enjoy the hard customers, you know, the ones that would beat me over the head over price as if I made the car myself, you know, as if I had any control about what GM priced their Escalades at. Like, sir, it's $100,000. You came to me. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you. But, you know, you have to get through that hard part to get to the good part, which in that case was getting paid, <laughs> you know? Yes. And the same goes for entrepreneurship. Like, I despise and man work, like having to answer emails, having to like go through inventory or do the things that aren't fun that nobody posts about on Instagram. No one wants to see me, you know, crying over numbers. I do post that sometimes though, but like that's the stuff that I have to do to get to do what I want to do, which is like design blazers, meet my customers, talk to them and have time to spend with my daughter and my husband. Those are the things you have to do to get to do. So it's good to differentiate the two. Like I have freedom of choice, but I choose to do the hard things so that I can do the things I want. I love that. And I'm just thinking about this specific type of freedom that allows you to, mm -hmm. it's like you've been able to unhook from 
the the culture of the grind and hustle that is just on repeat yeah. your vision is so clear about where you want to go that those steps mm-hmm. to get there are taking you that way and grind and hustle culture i was like knee deep into it because you have to work really hard in car sales it's non-stop it's just so intense and so when i first started entrepreneurship i would just keep working past when i knew i needed to stop just because that's what i was used to mm. i was like well if i work yeah. more then i'll get more I'll, or i'll get further and it's about working smart so like i would say 90 percent of the time i don't really answer emails past a certain hour i don't schedule pop-ups more than once a month i don't i do things that maybe if you're like a hungry entrepreneur from the, like the 90s would seem kind of ludicrous like how could you say no but it's like if it interferes with my priority which is my family then the answer is simply no like i i cannot if i can bring sophie or i can bring my husband then heck yeah they're always down for the ride but if i have to choose between the two i'm gonna my my priority is them and i'm not gonna make I'm not going to make excuses. I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm not starting my own business so I can be a slave to it. I'm starting my own business so that I, it can facilitate my dreams. One of the other topics I thought that connects really to this, I think, confidence that I hear from you. And I don't want to idolize that because I know there's also things you're learning and figuring out. And so what I want to get at is this idea, you know, starting, I don't even know the right terms for this because this is not my industry at all. I don't know if it's apparel brand or clothing brand or whatnot, but without a Mm -hmm. fashion degree. And so I want to say it that way because it sounds like none of that was ever a stopping point for you, but I'm sure there's doubt and fear. So I'm curious let's imagine we're speaking to listeners that are like i can't do this because i don't have x degree or x experience will you speak a little bit about to whatever level you're comfortable with the doubt or fear around that piece i feel like people have this really big fear of being the dumbest person in the room and saying dumb things and sounding dumb i have that fear but it's less it's less of a big deal to me because I had to learn English when I was eight. So like I sounded stupid for a very long time. In fact, back then they didn't have uh, ESL programs. So they just put me in in, a special ed, which was actually kind of fun. But like they clearly thought that something was off. They didn't really um, understand that I was able to comprehend, but I just didn't know how to communicate in their language. And so, so I can't control my face the- as a former bilingual teacher and my master's is in early childhood special ed. That hurts my heart that that was not that long ago that that <sighs> happened. And I'm sorry that no. that was what the school system It was did. in the nineties. Okay. It was uh. trash, but, um, it did, it did kind of, I think my, my threshold of fear and embarrassment is just like so high. My husband mm-hmm. is, is very similar because he, he's had, you know, life experiences that have raised this threshold of embarrassment but even with him i find that i am more willing to look a fool than he is and i am definitely more more willing to look a fool than most of my friends because i've had to look a fool for a long like for the majority of my childhood so it's not as big of a deal for me when it came to stepping into rooms in which i was not the smartest I welcome it because my objective is to always learn more. So if I step into a room and I'm the only one talking, uh, red flag. Like, no, I'm leaving the room and I'm stepping into a room where I'm asking the questions and people are telling me what their information is. I want to learn as much as possible. And so that's how I approach the situations. If you change the mindset of, you know, I have nothing to offer into, wow, I have so much to learn. 
then the opportunity becomes less of one of embarrassment and one of a learning opportunity. If you come into it asking questions instead of trying to make statements that'll make me maybe make you sound smart, it'll put you, it'll dig you into, into a bigger hole. Like I straight up say, I don't know. Like when I was speaking to my manufacturer and they were asking me for a tech pack and they were like, what were they asking me? They were saying all these like words that pattern makers would know or that fashion designers would know. And I would be like, girl, I don't know what that means. I would literally ask her, I'd be like, how do you measure shoulder width? And then she would send me a video. And, you know, my head at first when I couldn't send her a tech pack because I did not know how to make a tech pack and also did not have the money to pay someone to have, make a tech pack, I sent stick drawings. Miriam and I would sit down and talk about what we wanted in these blazers and we would draw them in our fifth grade drawing capabilities. And then my husband, thank God, who knows how to draw, would make them better. But like still, they weren't like graphic designer. They weren't like those fashion illustrations. They were pretty janky. I sent those in because, listen, I'm paying you. And regardless of my skill level, we're going to figure this out. So once I got over that mind help, trust me, I was humiliated. I, I was embarrassed when I first sent those. But I, I kept repeating to myself, you are the customer. You are the customer. You are the customer. Like they will help you. They will help you. And they did. They did. I was honest about my skill level. I was honest about my knowledge and I asked a ton of questions. And if I didn't know it, I would ask again and again and again until I did know it. And that's how it became second habit for me to feel the embarrassment, but not be prohibited by my embarrassment. You know, don't let your lack of knowledge prevent you from, you know, gaining more knowledge. Let that be a motivation. That's one of the things I love about my husband. You should see the amount of books we get in the mail. Oh my God, that man is addicted to books. Like, uh, but you know what? I'd rather that than like any other vice. Like, go ahead, boy, get your books. But he is constantly trying to learn. And it's always like, like when we listen to audiobooks, it's, they're so boring. They're so boring. But he's like, oh my God, did you, did you know that? And I'm like, I am not even listening. Like, how are you so, I'm sleeping. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I love but, you know, it. I surround myself with those people addict. that are constantly learning. You are? God bless yeah. y'all. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. What, what's your I'm favorite book, book that you've read so far? Last. Last? The Power of Regret. The Power of Regret. That one is really good. So wow. I just got it from the, li I'm a library nerd too, because I would spend all my oh. money on books if I just kept going. My summary of it is there are four regrets that people have. And he did this massive, Adam Grant, he did this massive study of 6,000 people or something. When people of all wow. different ages have regret, it's about foundational uh, regrets, which is like, I didn't go to the program I should have. I didn't do the health things I should have done. I didn't do those daily routines oh, wow. I should have done. And now I'm not healthy okay. or now I don't have the opportunity. So those ones, which, which are like learning could kind of go in that one or connection regrets. I wished I had reconnected with this person. I wished I'd gone on this date. Whoa. I wished I spent more time with my kids instead of working the connection regrets. Um, oh, what are the other two? Oh, they're so good. What do you have any big regrets? That's a deep question. <laughs> you don't mind me asking. Regrets. You know what that just helped me do? One of the other ones is boldness. Boldness regrets. Boldness. I didn't start the business. I didn't 
So connection, yeah. foundation, boldness, and moral regrets. Moral regrets is kind of clear. Like I made a mistake that I regret. Uh, you know, I did something. Yeah. You know that 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 changed my life in whatever way or whatnot. So the foundation ones, if if there is something, I will learn. But see, the boldness, which it sounds like you have, is harder for me. The putting myself out there, the starting yeah. this podcast. I don't want to say something dumb. I'm like, it's going to be recorded for all of time. And then when I got over myself, first of all, no, all five listeners don't care. And second of all, we have, we have more than we have more than that now. It's not just my mom now, but um, I know you do. Yeah, I can't show up as anything other than myself because I. I don't know, my brain can't even mm -hmm. handle not being authentic. And yet I'm afraid yeah. if I'm authentic and who I am and then somebody doesn't like that, that's hard. And I get that, you know, that is hard. if you don't, you know, want to be criticized, do nothing, you know, say nothing, be nothing is Aristotle. I get it. But it's, I'm still scared to kind of do it. So anyway, where did we, how did we get here? That's such an interesting concept, like regret, because they always it's like popular to be like i don't regret anything but i mean if you are really self-aware and introspective there have there has to be things that you regret i probably i regret not going to therapy sooner i regret resisting Same. help you know i regret that there's a lot of things i i have a big old mouth and i say some things that i'm like girl you should really quiet down <laughs> so i have tons of regrets about what comes out of my mouth because it's just so outrageous, but especially in today's culture where we're so prone to being can canceled and canceling, like there mm -hmm. is very little grace period for growth and learning that is allotted to each other on social media. Mm -hmm. I do also experience that fear where I'm like, I just don't want to say the wrong thing. And then yes. I think about, okay, is this true to me right now? Because if it is, then there's nothing else I can I can say it. If it's true to me right now, if it is really how I feel and what I think, I hope that I'm able to learn enough from it to maybe even change our mind or maybe even stand stronger in my beliefs. That is something that like is really scary about our culture right now. It's just people are speaking out fearfully. And so there's two spectrums. There's either people who, who will say anything and everything, and you're just like, wow, you need help. Or people who just won't say anything because they don't want to get in trouble. You know, they don't want to get in trouble with their boss. They don't want to stand up for that that person that should have been stood up for because they don't want to get fired. And that's also a problem. And I'd love to hear you speak to that yeah. of like what that means to you or how do you think about what does it mean to you to build an inclusive brand in a way that, that honors others? The answer is I don't know. But the key ingredient into finding it out is just transparency. If you don't know, say it. If you, if you have questions, ask them. If you're not sure, check. So I, I'll be honest, when we first started Power Woman, we only offered sizes small to extra large because, first of all, that's about how much money we had. We couldn't really do anything else. <laughs> but we didn't even think about like sizes past that. And we weren't thinking about other bodies and other people's experiences in their bodies. So we started to get messages like, I, w I really wish you had this in this size. And the first person that told us this, we immediately put in an order for those sizes because we we're like, oh my God, you're absolutely right. So now we offer sizes from extra, extra small to 3XL. Another thing that Miriam and I are really proud of is as women of color and as women of color who don't fit like the body type that you see on Instagram right now, I'm built like a cute refrigerator. Like I'm so cute, but 
Like, there are no curves. There are zero curves up in here. And that's all right. Like, I totally enjoy my body, and I'm seeing it in such a beautiful light. But, like, I do want to see more people like me that don't fit that beauty standard. By the way, I think I'm beautiful. But, like, that maybe don't fit what we've been told for a long time is beautiful. I do want them representing brands, and I do want to see them as the brand. Like, when Miriam and I first started Power Woman, we went on Instagram and started looking for clothing brands, and every clothing brand we looked at was the same person modeling, like almost like copy paste. And we were like, "Oh my gosh, Miriam, we, we can't be modeling these blazers. We don't even lo- we don't even look like those girls. Like, why would why would we buy this blazer?" And then we we're like, "You know what? Whatever. This is what we look like. This is who we are. Let's wear the blazers. Let's take some pictures. So we are the ones that are modeling the pic- the blazers, but it's also our dear friends and our friends to us." And to many people, I would say they're, I would say they're, you know, like I would say everybody would think they're beautiful because they're gorgeous to us. And those are the women that you see on our website. So we like to be as inclusive as possible. But I, I will say one area that we need to get better at and that we need to get representation for is the disabled community. And so I did put a, a heartbeat out there for anybody that would be interested in modeling for us. And I learned in that conversation that you actually, I used to call people from that community, people that are differently abled. And somebody corrected me and said, actually, we prefer being called disabled, uh, which blew my mind because I had, I, I got confused. So, um, I, I mean, as a minority myself, it's not like I know the, the struggle of every other minority out there. I don't know what it's like to be someone that is disabled or someone that is of a different race. Our experiences, while similar, are not the same, and I shouldn't assume that either. And so I ask those questions, you know, fearfully. I fear that I may sound ignorant, but I fear more so being insensitive to someone else's life. And so I will sound stupid if that means that I can be respectful of what you prefer to be called or how you prefer to be treated or what accommodations I need to make in your presence. Like I'm going to ask and I might not sound stupid, but if that makes our interaction better then all the better for it. I do think that's a missing piece for us that we're working on rectifying because it's super important to us. We want to make sure we represent all women and all women is such a beautiful range. It's such a beautiful spectrum mm-hmm. nowadays, you know? So I want to make yes. sure that our brand is inclusive and on all fronts. Your product is beautiful and it's amazing. And the website, the brand, everything I see is just gorgeous and exceptional. I'm wondering if there's anything you want to share about the partnership with artists, because I think that's really unique and, and you can build from there if you want on hopes, what you have in terms of hopes for the future. So our partnership with artists has been, I think one of my favorite parts of designing because my husband and I enjoy art a lot. He's actually very talented. I am more opinionated than I am talented. So whenever we go to like, we travel or whenever we go to shows or if we're going to a pop-up, I will walk around and see what catches our eye. Miriam will see, she'll see something and be like, oh wow. Or I'll see something and be like, that would go great in a blazer that was like, that maybe is green. Well, you never know. And so I start making friends with these women. And one of the things that we love about going to these pop-ups is obviously we get to meet our customers and get to know new customers, but we also get to celebrate and support other small businesses. Mm -hmm. We do as much shopping as people do with us. (laughs) We do with other businesses. It is an evened out situation, most pop-ups for us. (laughs) So that's that's where we meet a lot of the artists. And that's such a cool moment because I can't imagine 
My parents are very generous. My parents have worked very hard and they're in a position now to where they can be generous and they do not hesitate in, in doing so. And I think that's one of the things I look forward to the most when I'm even more financially stable is being even more generous. So I make it a point when Miriam and I do our contracts with our artists is you set the price and I'm not going to negotiate with you. Like if that's your price, that's your price. If it's not in our budget, I'm going to let you know and we can work mm -hmm. at a later date, but I'm not going to ask you to lower your price, you know, as an artist. Like if you tell me it's $300, it's $300. Okay. And so our contracts are very fair and for both ends. And that's something that we like to honor. We like to make sure that our future selves won't be embarrassed of our today selves when they look back on the decisions that we've made. And when we work with artists, that's our number one priority. So we that's, love it. Tell me what you're most looking forward to in the future that you see ahead. Sometimes yeah. I ask this question as what's bringing you hope right now. Okay, so several things. When it comes to Power Woman, I am so freaking excited. I get chills just thinking about it because I remember when, I, when we first started it, I wasn't scared about it failing. I was scared about it blowing up and me not being able to catch up. So I'm very excited about where she's heading. I'm excited for her to be international, for us to have maybe a presence in some parts of Europe. I'm excited to have a team and to work with other amazing people. I miss working with people. <laughs> I talk to myself a lot. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the new textiles that we may discover or develop. I'm excited about that innovation and, and that learning process. I'm also excited about the lifestyle that comes with perhaps more financial freedom. My husband Jack and I are huge, like, we love being outdoors. I think for us, the simple life is just, it's meant to be. We live in a very small house. And whenever we think about moving or anything like that, a, a bigger house is not something that we crave at the moment. I'm not ruling it out, but we just love being cozy and together. And so I'm excited for what that will look like in a few years because it already is like the coolest thing ever i just love hanging out with sophie Aww. and jacket being in our house and especially during the holidays i'll put a fireplace on our tv because we don't have a real fireplace <laughs> so oh, it's it. just a vibe and then yes. i'm really excited about like seeing sophie grow she is the most like it's just crazy to me because I was, I was kind of ambivalent. I wasn't really yes or no towards kids. I knew, you know what, I'll probably have some kids, whatever. But I wasn't one of those people that was like, I cannot wait to be a mom. I kept putting it off and I was pretty young, but I, was, I definitely wasn't like, by the time I'm some age, I have to have them. I was thinking more like at 35, I'll start thinking about it. So yeah. when we found out we were pregnant, it was quite a surprise. And now that I have her and we've been privileged enough to be present during those beautiful moments that are yes. full of magic I mean seeing her see the ocean for the first time I cried like a baby because how special to feel that you know to feel God's beauty again because we forget we forget that we're living in such a beautiful place and when she does when she has a reaction that we all should be having when we're seeing mountains and rivers and oceans and animals, I get reminded of how lucky I am to be alive and how lucky I am to be experiencing these things. And so that seeing more of that and, and getting to know her more and showing her more of the world is a huge 
thing that excites me for the future. Maybe we add another one to the team. I don't know. I'm so I'm scared. <laughs> you never know. There's nothing like seeing things as if they're for the first time through the eyes of your children again. Yeah. I mean, it brings such joy. Cool. Will you tell us any book recommendations, podcast recommendations, but this can also be any sort of input or things you would yeah. recommend. I've got so many recommendations. One of the books that I really enjoyed for my business and that I continue to go back to is Breakthrough Marketing by Eugene Schwartz. It's an old school book, like old school. But the marketing techniques in there are tried and true and they will translate into any platform because they help you um, they help you with the copyright of your post or of your ad. So I highly recommend if you're starting your business and you're the CEO, the CFO, the CMO, like you're doing it all, you need to learn how to speak to your customer and that's a good way to do it. Let's see. Podcasts are actually great. If you find a good podcast that speaks to you, that you that is your style. Like for example, I mentioned earlier, I don't like the, I don't like the you go girl, you know, uh, situation. But a lot of people do. Like a yeah. lot of people want want need to hear that. And so, if you know that about yourself, look for those podcasts. I like podcasts with a little bit more of a tangible strategy, or that talk about experiences, good and bad. So, um, like building thinkers, okay. And I like how I built this by, <laughs> by Guy Raz. That's, those are, I mean, honestly, that's a great way. If you're driving and maybe you want to take a break from music, pop on a, a podcast and, and hear some other founders talk about their experiences so that you can learn from their experiences. Other recommendations. I really love Saltbox, which is where I met Katie. Yes. <laughs> Saltbox is so cool. Like uh, the the co warehousing situation is awesome because as an entrepreneur, you're alone a lot of the time. So I I love Saltbox because you get a little bit of both worlds. Like you don't you get to have coworkers without having the boss, and you are all in the same mindset. You're all just working towards a, a unified goal of bringing your business forward. So the energy here is amazing, and you know the co warehousing space is such a good idea. I love it. So that's my recommendation if you're local. To me, or I mean, Softbox is in a lot of places, a lot of states actually. I would recommend you check it out if you're a business that's in that stage where you are growing and need space. My top recommendation to you: I filed my LLC using Inkfile, I-N-C-F-I-L-E. Back when I filed it, it was about 3.45. I think now I just checked, and it's about it's between four and five hundred. And we got our EIN, which is a social security number for your business, basically. That's what I did first. Alibaba is a great resource for you if you're looking for a manufacturer or if you're looking to source things in high quantity. You can do Alibaba and you can always adjust your minimum order quantity to whatever you need. But I suggest scouring through that if you're looking for anybody to make anything that you might need. I use Flowdesk for our newsletters. I pay $19 a month for that. And I use Hootsuite to schedule our posts on LinkedIn, my personal and our company, Instagram, Facebook, and then Pinterest. Do you use the same content and then post it all those places or do you use different content for the different social media locations? What's your preference on that? It depends. So you do have to be careful about that. My recommendation is to do to actually make your content different for each app. So for example, my LinkedIn and my Instagram content is sometimes a little bit different because LinkedIn people aren't really into like 
the memes and the joking, they're more into like <laughs> tangible strategies. So I gear my content for them a little differently. And so some of my posts are different on LinkedIn than they are on Instagram. And then TikTok and Instagram are two different. Uh, they're sisters, but they're not twins. They're, they're different. So Instagram is a little bit more put together and you have to come on looking a little, you know, Although I don't, I'm I hear just making stuff up because the way I show up to Instagram is busted. <laughs> like I just, I'm like I just dropped off my kid and I'm wearing like ratty pajamas. But on TikTok, it's a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more transparent. So just be aware of that. So yeah, definitely ch- switch up your content and don't forget about Pinterest. Do not forget about Pinterest. I mean, I use Pinterest quite a bit, and think of it as like a more aesthetically pleasing search engine. So mm-hmm. don't forget about Pinterest. What was the other question you asked me? Oh, I was oh, going to say, can you can tell I us about me? where to get your blazers? And so if any of our audience yeah. wants to order one, is there anything special we want to tell them? Absolutely. Okay. So you can order our blazers on www.pwrwmn.shop. That's Power Woman with no vowels. So P as in power, W-R-W-M-N.shop. You can follow us on Instagram at pwr underscore wmn i have a code for y'all so that you can get a little bit of savings when you shop with us let me look what was the code again i think oh, it was building power right yeah building power let women me, let me um, verify building b-u-i-l-d-i-n-g okay. and then p-w-r-w-m-n and you know and the cool thing is that we have so many new blazers that are already there for you to pre-order so you get a discount on whatever you want girl anything you want exciting tim thank you so much we look forward to seeing all the amazing things you're going to continue to do and thank you so much for just sharing your time and your insight and just getting real into the how of it this was such a fun conversation and i learned so much Thank you so much, Tracy. I had a blast talking to you. I had a blast with you letting me just ramble on (laughs) and giving me the platform to share my love for entrepreneurship and power women. So thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much for listening to the Building Thinkers podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. And please leave a podcast rating and review. That helps more listeners find us in the world of podcasting algorithms. You can find out more about my instructional design work at www.buildingthinkers.com. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll see you all in the next episode. And remember, there's no limit to what you can learn.